This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 100. Hi, everyone. Before we get into the podcast, I just want to say whoop, whoop. This is my 100th episode, and I'm so excited about it. And I hope you are too. If you have been listening to me for a while, I appreciate it so much. And I just wanted to say a quick word about a couple of changes that we've made. Um, I got a new cover art for the podcast. So if you like that, reach out and let me know. It's a picture of me and uh, my, I guess it's my grand dog. It's my daughter's dog, Carmela. And that's really exciting. My daughter designed it for me out of a photo that she took of me with the dog. So that looks beautiful. So let me know what you what you think of it. And this month of December is going to be all about talking to different veterinarians in the field and veterinary technicians. And we're going to talk about the stress and all the burnout and the things that we've been through um, in the last nine or 10 months um, with COVID and and all the changes that that's made to our profession. So this podcast, I have a veterinarian and a veterinary technician, and you're going to love that discussion. It was really exciting and fun. And then um, next week, I have um, Dr. Matt Kuhn, who um, is going to be talking to us about alternative careers in veterinary medicine. And then I also have a group the following week of veterinarians and veterinary technicians that I actually recorded the podcast um, yesterday with them and ended up monkeying up the recording. Um, So that was an epic fail. But I'm hoping to get them all back together again to re-record, and hopefully that will be out the third week of December. So if you are um, struggling, we're going to talk a lot about that. And I also want to invite you to reach out for me. I am planning some new programs for January, um, probably the second week of January or so. So uh, reach out to me for coaching if you have any issues that you want to deal with for the new year, if you want to set goals, if you want to just learn how to coach yourself and have a better mindset, or if you're trying to lose weight and you need some help with that, just reach out to me. I'm going to get these group classes going and also do some more individual one-on-one coaching. So I would love to hear from you and meet you and coach you. So let me get started here um, with the recording of the podcast, and I'll introduce um, these wonderful women, and um, I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited that I have two special guests, and their names are Amanda Morris and Charlotte Lucas. And they are both here to talk to me today about working in the veterinary profession during this time of COVID. And I'm trying to get a few small groups together to discuss this because I think um, we've all been doing this for a while and we're getting a little stressed out. So welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you. Nice to have you. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. So um, I'm going to pick on Amanda first, I think. So Amanda, could you just uh, introduce yourself to the audience, let them know what you do and Um, your perspective and um, what you do with the profession? Sure. Um, I'm an LVT. I have been an LVT since 2007. And I worked day practice, general practice for uh, five or six years and then kind of overlapped and started ER medicine, which I love. Uh, I started that in 2010. 
and then went to exclusively ER practice uh, in 2012 and have been doing that ever since. So I'm seeing things kind of from the ER perspective. We don't have appointments. Uh, we've been doing curbside work and um, we've been kind of taking the overflow from the day practices. Haven't been able to see everybody. Um, so dealing with staffing issues, dealing with heavy traffic, having um, upwards of eight to 10 hour wait times at some points at our busiest points and um, just trying to power through some crazy, crazy times. Yeah, I, I can imagine because I know we send a lot of people to the ER right now from my general practice. Mm -hmm. So how about yeah. you, Charlotte? Can you tell us a little bit about your practice? Because you, you have your own practice. Yes. Yep. I have my own practice. I'm a solo practitioner. I'm um, up in West Branch, so northern Michigan. And um, we have a, a small team. Um, and I have been practicing. I've had, I opened my practice in, this will be coming our fourth year in January. Um, so whatever year that made that. Um, so it's 2017 we opened. And um, I've had a, uh, remained a small team. Our, our client base is growing. And so our biggest challenge before COVID and then it's, that's been enhanced by COVID is keeping up with the growth. Um, that's, that's been because you're the only doctor. Yes. I'm the only doctor. <laughs> I can imagine that's got to be yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the, welcome to ownership, right? You've only owned, yeah. owned for three years and then you get COVID. <laughs> right. I know there's been some, um, I mean, perks to having a small team, but then challenges as well. So. I can imagine. Yeah. That's gotta be crazy. Well, and just so you both know, I, um, have my practice in, um, Warren, Michigan. And so I've been there many, many years. Um, but we did the same thing with the curbside at the beginning of COVID and um, kind of from a practical standpoint, when it first struck, we split into two teams because we had four doctors. So we put two doctors three days a week and the other two, three days a week, and then split the, the team down the middle. So we could kind of have two teams in case, you know, one of them got COVID and we had to keep people home, you know, to quarantine. And we did that for quite a while, about three months, I think. And then we finally started mixing the teams back up and, you know, kind of remixed. But um, it hasn't gotten any slower. It, you know, at the very beginning, obviously, we couldn't see much because our state kind of had us locked down. But once that started opening back up, it just seems like we've gotten busier and busier and busier. And I think that's the way it is all over the nation. Is that the experience that you're having with your small practice? It's just definitely not. Yep. And we, um, we started curbside almost right away as well. And it was funny. I, um, so, you know, you, we, when all this first started, you do a lot of, um, investigating what other people are doing, what's working for them. And so the team thing obviously came up. So I go home one night and I'm thinking about how I am going to split my team up into <laughs> teams. And I come to the realization, I'm like, uh, there's only one of me. Oh, so wait a minute. Was, I can't yeah, do that. Yeah, so it was impossible. <laughs> so we just, you know, kind of did. And I said, okay, so we have to really do everything we can to, to keep each other safe. Um, being up north, we were, uh, you know, um, lucky at first because we were not seeing the cases. So we right. were in a bit of a bubble as far as that goes, which that has now 
gone away. And we thought with summer people traveling, coming up North that we would see more cases through the summer and we, and we didn't. And so now I, I feel like now the past month or so it's really started to, to more of affect us um, as far as clients go. Um, it's more of a reality for them. Have you had any cases in your hospital yet? Anybody um, get COVID? knock on wood. No. Okay. I have had, um, one of my LVTs did, she had to be home. Her daughter was exposed. So she had to be home, um, the past two weeks for, for that. So that was my challenge, challenge, a small team that's already been working, you know, extra. And then basically asking them to work even more to make to keep up with the slack. And right. when we sat down to discuss it as a team, we all kind of came to the conclusion, while this could be any one of us, it very well may be any one of us. So let's just do what we have to do to keep, you know, keep us going through it. And um, that's been their mentality from the beginning. And what about you, Amanda? How's your practice been handling it? Oh, man. Um <clears throat> We, because we're a 24 hour practice, um, and we kind of started off before COVID as a little bit short staff, just because it's hard to find people that are willing to work the crazy hours that we, uh, those of us that are the suckers that like truly do you love work our like job. the midnight shift. What do you work? I, I work second shift, but I work, I work three twelve. So I work 4 PM to 4 AM three days okay. a week. And I work the weekends. So I work Saturday, Sunday, Monday for those hours. Okay. Um, and I'll be honest, um, that typically it starts off as a scheduled 12 hour and it ends up being about 15 by the end of it all, because you can't just yeah. walk away and right. all that good stuff. Um, and so we were, we started off short staffed. Um, and then of course, again, rotating through, um, different people having to self quarantine. We had our first case of a team member testing positive and that wiped out almost all of our day staff because, um, they were all exposed. You know, we had to, they were all exposed. So they had to go home and, and, you Ugh. know, await test results and all that stuff. Yeah. It didn't affect the night crew because we have, you know, we're split that way. Um, so we were able to stay open and then we just had a, a true skeleton crew in the daytime. Mm. Um, but it's been challenging. Um, and, and, you know, constantly again, having cycled through different staff members, having to stay home, you know, because they were exposed we were lucky that we've only had one true positive case, but you know, it's hard and you feel guilty when you're the one that's stuck at home. I I've been stuck at home cause my kids have been in school learning. So of course one of them got exposed at school. And um, so then you sit at home and you're watching your teammates drown and get overwhelmed and face burnout and fatigue. And you're sitting at home like, I, you know, I wish I could help you. I, I'm not doing anything. I want to so be Not there. only do so we sorry. have the stress to deal with, the stress and the burnout that it's causing, but now we have guilt. Yeah. 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 I mean, you absolutely, if you're, I mean, I guess to me, I'm a team player. And so I want to be able to help my team and I want us all to succeed together. And when I see my teammates struggling, my natural instinct is I want to help you. I want to build, sure. you know, build you back up, pull you up. And I can't do that from home if I can't go in. And so right. that's really hard to watch everybody else just, you know, drowning and dying and knowing that you've got to sit the bench. Yeah. Yeah. So that's happened once for you where you had to stay yep. home for like two yep. weeks, was it? Yep. Okay. Ugh, yeah. So how do you feel that your team's doing um, overall? As it, I would say from the, the standpoint of the adaptation, like we had to adapt the way we practice medicine. 
And, and it was fast. It was like one day we were normal and the next day we were shut down. So how do you think that your teams manage that overall, that change? My team's been fabulous. And especially at the beginning, we were, I mean, like you said, right away and almost daily changing and adapting. And there were so many rules and regulations changing. And from, I mean, from the moment it was whatever you need us to do, whatever we're going to do. I was very um, focused on, I wanted them to feel safe. Um, So whatever we had to do to allow them to feel safe so they could do their job. They have been great with um, fielding the questions, you know, that, that were coming from clients. Um, And so I was so, I was very grateful for that. The, adapting to doing curbside, um, that seemed to, you know, really go pretty smoothly. Definitely we've had some hiccups. And then when we've tried to improve things, change protocol a little bit to improve it, it inevitably made it worse, you know, a few times. So (laughs) every time you try something new, it backfires. Yep. Um, and then, you know, to throw a bigger wrench in things, um, I went on maternity leave in July and one of my Technicians went on, we had babies two a week apart. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's something we need to talk about is reason so, babies, huh? Yeah. Wow. So, I didn't know that. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and so talk about the guilt that Amanda was talking about. Um, I yeah. mean, it was, it was hard. And, and I mean, kudos, kudos to the team. They did it. We, what we did is we scaled, we scaled back a lot, which caused them to just, have to turn away things that we normally wouldn't. And that was a big adaptation for them because we want, especially as a new practice, you're not used to saying no to anybody. You know, you want to see everybody. So we, I mean, we had to, because I physically had to, um, and we had to, because I wasn't there. My relief doctor was there three days a week, but so to keep up with it all, um, so those were our, our, and then it was playing catch up when I, when I got back to work too. So we may now maybe just be feeling like we're kind of caught up with things. Yeah. And now I think what they're feeling is they're tired. You know, I, I had a conversation with my, my CSRs and she's like, I'm just tired of it all. And, um, and clients are, are tired and, you know, and so to keep up with, with the level of care and to keep up with our culture that's so important to us. That's, that's the draining part. I think I, the draining part at this point is dealing with everyone's just fatigue of it all. Yeah. Are you seeing that too, Amanda? Or does your, do your people seem like they're just worn out from it all and over it? Yeah. We, the nice thing about emergency medicine and the people that are working at an emergency hospital, we're kind of used to rolling with punches because we never know what's going to walk in the door at any given time. And you could have hours of dead space or you could have put your roller skates on. You're not going to get to use the bathroom today. You guys are used to that. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to get. So for some of that stuff, like we're naturally kind of able to adapt and, and kind of roll with it. But all the other vet hospitals, like the general practices all closed down. And we didn't. We were considered essential because we were emergency. So even when everybody else was gone. At the beginning. Right. We were okay. still picking up the slack at that point too. Right. So 
Um, you know, we had the calls of our normal stuff where we're normally busy as far as, you know, oh, I got hit by a car or, oh, it's really sick or, oh, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And then we added on chronic ear infections and anal glands and yeah, broken nails. And, <laughs> you know, I was grooming my dog at home because nobody will take it. And I cut half its ear off. And yeah, so, yeah we had somebody cut their dog's tail off. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you, of it. you I was go like, from, yeah. The normal, like, okay, these are some of our crazy cases to like, right. I didn't sign up to do ear infections. That's not why <laughs> right. I Yeah, that's, that happened. was, that's why I went into emergency, right? Right. I didn't want to do this anymore. So wow. um, that part of things gets to be, you know, a little crazy. And now we still have day practices that are overwhelmed from trying to catch up. Um, so they're still, they're still turfing things and we're still seeing chronic vomiting cases and skin allergy cases. And, um, I work at the only emergency hospital that sees exotics. So we're oh, seeing, yeah, there's a lot of that. And so we're seeing, you know, the Guinea pig that's got the upper respiratory infection who the daytime vet can't get in and there's nowhere else that'll see a Guinea pig. So mm -hmm. here we are. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we then get people in the parking lot that they're panicked because it's an emergency to them. And we get people that are, it's not an emergency and they know it's not an emergency, but if they went to their regular vet, they have a 20 minute appointment spot. So why should they have to wait? And then we get all of that mixed together. So I get the right. phone calls of, I just saw three people go in ahead of me and I've been here for, you know, two and a, two and a half hours. And why is that happening? And, you know, we try to explain that we triage and that kind of thing, right. but it's a very different atmosphere than what they're used to with their regular vet. And so if they're coming to see us, there's a lot more of a learning curve for the clients as far as what, what changes with emergency medicine versus the appointment that you had at your regular vet to go see them. Well, and I'm finding too, that a, a lot of the clients don't want to go to emergency. They want to get into their regular vet. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go to emergency. I want to see your vet, you know, they'll, right. I want to see Dr. Kapal. And yes. my, my staff will say she is like solidly double booked because I've been double booking because mm -hmm. we lost one of our doctors. And it's just like, so I've been working double columns and still being packed every day mm -hmm. and then having to send, you know, obviously things that we wouldn't normally send to emergency. And people get yeah. very, very frustrated about that. Yes. You know, they're like, well, why? You always saw me before. Why right. can't you see me now? And they get angry and um, you know, so that's a big thing too. So do you have kids at home, Amanda? Do you have any? I have four kids actually. Oh Lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I have, I have a big gap. Um, so I have a 15 year old in high school who's doing virtual wow. learning right now because they just, oh, you know, they're in the middle of that shutdown. I have an eighth grader who's doing in-person class. And then I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old who we just put down for a nap before I started this. So that's why it's a baby too. <laughs> Yeah, yep. So you had a baby right before all this started. Yeah. Wow. So how's that been? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the mom side of it. My kids are grown. So the, the thing for me with COVID is they just lost their jobs. And right. so they're told they've been out of work, you know, pretty much this whole time. They've been working, but not in their chosen profession. Mm -hmm. And it's that's been stressful for them. You know, it's depressing and so how's it been to have kids at home, especially that wide of a range and homeschooling and all that? It, this year has been a little bit easier as the school year as far as that goes, because I think the teachers had a chance to get a little bit more organized 
with um, trying to line everything up and, and what programs they were going to use and how they were going to run their virtual classrooms. Last year was a disaster. I will be really honest. I, it was so stressful. The days that I was off of work and because I worked the kind of almost the overnight shift, I would have to get two or three hours of sleep and then wake up to get the oh. kids going for school on the computers, sit with them, help them organize their, you know, their lessons. And, and the teachers weren't really sure what they were doing. So they would just dump a week's worth of lessons. And then we were kind of having to teach at home. Wow. So, you know, trying to remember stuff from high school and um, just, <laughs> you know, like that, that was a while ago. So that's, that's, yeah, a while. that's crazy. And you're doing it tired and then you've got the kids running around. So it's like, okay, we need to have a walled off space. They can't be in here. They have to be, and then taking turns with the kids. And so it was like just a, a super stressful thing. So stress from work leads to stress at home, leads to like no relief anywhere. And so it was, yeah. it was, it was hard this year. It's been, a, like I said, a little bit better because it's a little bit more organized and um, the teachers are a little bit more prepared, so they've got things kind of better under control that way. Um, so my son has, you know, designated hours that he's doing live streaming classes and, and they're doing the homework together in class and that kind of thing. So that's more self-contained um, and, and the little guys are they're always running around, so that's not anything new. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been a challenge. That sounds challenging. <laughs> So what happened with the baby then, Charlotte? Like you had so, a baby in the middle of all this. Yeah. And How did that um, go? it went, I mean, smoothly, really? you know, to be honest, it, um, I'm, my husband's a teacher. So really throughout all of this, having your partner be a teacher has been kind of, you know, like there was, that was a good profession for him kind to be. ideal. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> And our oldest is in second grade this year. So he's been, he was able to be home with them from the beginning, dealing with all the teacher stuff and last year, the unknown. And then with the baby, I mean, the biggest change, I'm, I'm glad it was my my first, you know, so I, I, you just aren't as nervous about things in general. Um, but it did change, you know, I mean, it changed how often I went to the doctor. I did virtual visits, you know. Um, with my OBGYN and then um, it's been, and then when we had her, she, only my husband was able to be with me um, and, you know, so no visitors. And then probably it really started to hit me, I would say probably about a month before she was, she was born. Um, she was born in July. So about the month of June, I really started to be like, oh, I, like I can't get sick hey, now because if I get sick now at that time, they were like taking babies away if, if from mothers, if they no, were really, I mean, in some oh, states yeah. or they weren't letting like mothers were delivering completely alone. Like their partner couldn't even be with them. And so yeah, I heard stories like that, mm -hmm. but you got to have your husband with you. Yeah. Yep. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I know. I there's a, there's a, I'm sorry. There's a, like a, landscaping guy here so if oh, you hear noise and my dog growling that's why <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> that's all right that's the beauty of having dogs and exactly yeah being in a home no secret sorry about that but it went well you're saying huh yeah i mean it it, it really went very smoothly and it, it was just a lot i mean 
family members didn't see her, you know, I mean that, and yeah, still haven't, that would be hard. haven't seen her. Really? So, you know, I think for the first four weeks, she just thought everyone had their faces, you know, covered with something. <laughs> yeah. And, you wonder what these kids are going to, what are they thinking? You know? Right. <laughs> I know. So, and, and just, it, so it made me more, I think, acutely aware and, but it really also, as far as work went, when we did have some backlash about, especially when people started to open back up more and we were still doing curbside, like, and some backlash from clients. And we just explained like, Hey, we have two, you know, we have two pregnant people and then we had two new moms and, and babies and they, right. so we're doing everything we can. And, and, and people were very understanding. They were more understanding that. when mm-hmm. they knew the circumstance. Right. Right. So what advice do the two of you have for parents that are going through this right now? Because obviously we've been through a lot and we've learned a lot, but we're still going to be dealing with this for a while. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, like little mental tips or tricks that you use to kind of get through the real crazy part? Because I'm sure that there's some fear that your kids are going to get sick or, you know, are you more afraid that your kids are going to get sick or... You know, what, what kind of things do you think about as a mother with young, young children? I'm probably mostly afraid of, um, my parents getting sick. I live in the same town as them. So we see them all the time. So that was my fear with, you know, myself passing it on them or my kids. So as far as being fearful of COVID and people getting sick, that was, my my concern. Yeah. And as far as balancing it all, it it takes a lot of, um, self-care, but like the, the self-care of truly like letting expectations go, you know, of certain things and, and taking care of yourself. I mean, there was a point late in my pregnancy where I had to sit down with my team and I mean, and I was in tears and I'm like, you guys, we, something's got to change because I can't keep up with how, how we're doing things. And, um, and that's when we said, okay, we're going to start telling people no, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and that's and I, hard for us as veterinarians, yeah. right? Cause we, we don't like that. We don't, no. we don't like to think that some pets suffering or some clients suffering because we can't handle it. And yeah. I, I really think that we need to encourage each other to, you know, to do that, to protect ourselves. Yeah. And I, agree with you. I just, and I had, I had to be that example for my team as well, you know, and, and say, and like, I'm going home and I am, you know, not doing anything, you know, I mean, the dishes are getting done and we're, I'm going to bed at eight 30 because there's dust. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. so what do you need to do? Like, that's what I need to do, but what do you need to do? But I also needed to get outside and, you know, move my body. So, you know, so I could feel healthy that way and be in the sunshine. So constantly being aware of what I really need to keep myself going and then trying to remind the people that, that, that surround me, whether it's at work or at home, what do we need to do to really take care of ourselves? Because if we don't, it will be impossible to, to maintain it. And you can't help anyone, right? Right. Like that's what I keep reminding my, my people. It's like, okay, we can only do what we can do, take care of the ones we can take care of. And otherwise then we're down, you know, like Mm -hmm. if we get sick or we, you know, break down or, you know, mentally or physically, then we're not going to be able to take care of anyone. 
Mm-hmm. Then we're not good to our families. We're not good for our, you know, kids and our spouses and can't take care of um, what's really important. Mm-hmm. You know, what about you, Amanda? Cause you got the, the whole pile of kids. <laughs> How did you handle There's- it? There's been a couple things. Everyone always laughs at me um, because I have very little boundaries. Um, they, we joke that it's a swinging open gate in the middle of a field, and that's that's my boundary. That's your line. boundary. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like but that. I, that I, that's a good yeah. visual. <laughs> and that's me. Like, I, and I have so learning to say no and learning to set a boundary. It's not even just to clients, which, you know, again, veterinary wide, we all kind of have that same thing, but sometimes it's your team too. And it got to a point where we were short staffed and everything else. And so I would pick up extra shifts whenever anybody asked or needed coverage. So all of a sudden, instead of going for my three twelves, I'm working five twelves and that's, that's a lot. Especially with four kids at home. You must have a really understanding spouse. Yeah. Well, no, (laughs) so that's, that's a, and I, I, I'm ending up going through a divorce with all of this too. Oh, so, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I mean, no, I, I mean, I say I'm sorry. Maybe it's a good thing. It's, it is what it, it is. Be but, good, right? You know, it, that's uh, one more stressor, but the, the boundary right. line, I had to learn that sometimes I have to say no, even to the people I love and mm-hmm. to the people that I deeply care about, I have to be able to say, I can't do that. And I'm right. sorry that I'm not sorry. Like I, I can't. And so there were shifts that I I had to start turning down and I had to leave after staying late for so many hours. Like I can't do 17, 18 hours. I can, I can stay one or two hours if I need to, to help tie up loose ends, but then I have to go home. And even with the kids, it's like, you know what? I know that you want to go to this person's house and this and this and this. I can do one or two of those things. I can't do them all because I, there's just not enough mom to go around Yeah, and learning that I at least have to shut the swinging gate, even if there's still no fence, um, that, you know, that there's at least something there that's allowing me to, to, to kind of set something up where I, I stop and I say, I can't completely overdo it to the point where there's nothing left because when there's nothing left, just like you said before, I can't help anybody. Right. If I'm right. That down. You're out. So right. I might gotta... have to move here cause this is getting pretty loud. They didn't get the memo. they're cut they're actually cutting limbs off trees i mean that's important that way they don't fall in the house yeah it's from it's the neighbor's house it looks like but i will say you we can't hear him now but that's been the other thing honestly and that that makes me think of it i was i was just talking about this today is letting go of the things that you can't control and I have it's a really so hard important. time with that. Yeah. yeah. And I have a really hard time with that. I'm very type A. I like to have control over what's going on. I like rules and, and order and I knowing what's right. going to happen and, and having that. And so having to learn that there's things that I can't control and that those are the things I have to let go of. They're going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. I can control my response. I can control my actions, but that's yeah. about it. Yep. And, yeah. and learning that this year has been a big struggle and a big eye opener as to how very control freak I am, mm-hmm. but, um, but learning that I can't always do that either. Well, in a lot of ways, that was a big lesson that we learned, um, right when COVID started, I, I would walk into my hospital in the morning and my receptionist would be in like panic mode. Did you hear the news? And, you know, because they would listen to that news every day and, and I would have to literally sit there, you know, 
and we would have a meeting every morning and I said, okay, how's everyone feeling? Is, is anybody feel sick? Is anybody ups, you know, upset? Let's talk about mm-hmm. it. What's going on with you? You're like, we're all a little freaked out because they would be like, well, Dr. Capel, you seem so calm. I'm like, no, I'm scared too. We don't know what's going on. You right. know, we're all scared, but, but this is what we're d- being dealt and we're doing everything we can to keep us all safe. And we're trying to do the best we can to keep the business going, you know, cause if, if we don't work, then nobody gets paid. And, you know, so that's all part of it. And um, just having that discussion that th- there are things we can control and that the way we respond to what's going on and the way we get our information and, res- you know, we're all, we're all healthy right now in this minute. And so let's just be thankful that we're all healthy and let's just get through this day and then, you know, we'll do it all again tomorrow. And that was really hard at the beginning. That was people were just losing their mind. And then I think we got a little bit used to it. And I think the thing that we're finding now is the clients are getting over it. And and we have this whole new, you know, at the beginning of COVID, everybody was all lovey and thank you for being here. And you guys are amazing and you're the heroes and, you know, all that. And now it's to you guys suck. And, you know, yep. so tell me a little bit about that. Like wh- what kind of stories do you have about what clients are doing or saying or, you know, to add to our, our kettle of stress <laughs> that we're all in? Do you guys have any good like client? I mean, we have um, I, uh, just a lot of short, you know, just no patience. And um, as soon as they, they, you tell them you can't, as soon as they hear they can't get exactly what they want, then, you know, then they don't want to listen to anything else. There's been more, I think, um, the staff really probably more than me has had to deal with kind of that emotional blackmail, you know, from clients. Like you um, want my pet to die. Or yeah. I mean, they, don't yeah, care, those right. Things, yeah. And those were things we really probably, we did not hear very, very much at all before. And so that's been creeping in. So then it's from my end, then I'm taking care of them being like, okay, we're not, do we need to talk about this? Do you, do you really feel this way? You know? So, um, that's what I'm dealing with more. And and then the, um, I, I think when it comes to the pets, it's like one more unknown when their pet is sick, it's one more it's one more unknown in their life that they're dealing with and they just, they just can't handle it. Can't yeah. handle it and that's what know? I keep telling my team. I mean, think about where they're coming from yeah. because, you know, who knows who in their family's been sick, how many kids they have at home. Right. Amanda, like how many kids are you homeschooling? Right. You know, maybe they're super stressed about that and mm-hmm. now their pet's sick on top of it. And, you know, so I think having a little empathy, which is hard when they're yelling at you, but I really think that's a good point that, you know, we have to remember that they're not yelling at us because they're upset with us. They're upset at COVID and shutdowns and not having a job or whatever it is that they're dealing with at home. Yeah. We found like we would be, I'd be like, okay, let's listen to some music. You know, we would just try to do little things to just like put our brains in a little more positive light or, you know, we like, lunch, order ice yes. cream. Yeah. We yeah. ate a lot of Dairy Queen this summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is not always good. Yeah, but I know. Yeah. At least it's something, right? Right. It kind of helps you 
cope a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Although we try yeah. not to, we try not to buffer away our feelings with food, but right. sometimes we do. Yep. Just it is what it is. So yeah, I, I found that too. I think I think the impatience is what it is. It's like I want to get in today. Well, what do you mean I can't get in today? Well, what do you mean I can't pick up my food? You know, in five minutes. Right. You know, and um, and I even had a woman lecture me because this is all fake and you should let me in the building. And mm-hmm. like she went through this whole diatribe of how, you know, you guys are being stupid for not letting people in the building. Cause some of the hospitals in our area did open up and let people in. Um, but because we, we are a little bit short staffed and, you know, I thought, well, we just don't, if we don't have to let the people in there, it's just adding another level of uncertainty and more work, you know, for us yeah. to keep things clean and sanitized. And yeah, we don't have know. the people. I, I told somebody that about like, well, why can't I come in? And, and really I was glad I ended up having the conversation with them mm-hmm. um, instead of one of my staff members. But I, I just said, look, because if one of us gets sick, I have to close. There's, right. And then we can't help and you then at all. We can't be here at all. Right. And she yeah. was like, Oh, I don't think they think that. I don't think no. the clients understand that because mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I said that to a client. I said, if I let you in and one of my, you know, you are exposed or, you know, the 20, 30 other people that came in today, because if we mm-hmm. let one in, they're all coming in. Right. And so mm-hmm. then there's 30, 40, 50 people in the building a day, then all it takes is one sick one. And then we got to close the whole place you know, for a couple of weeks. And so that, that's hard. And then from the emergency standpoint, Amanda, I bet you really see it because I've had clients yell at us because yeah. we had to wait at the emergency clinic for eight mm-hmm. hours. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, but you know, so we we're used to having that emotional blackmail part of things. Um, you guys probably get a, a teeny tiny bit. We get it daily, multiple times a day with the, you're going to let my pet die. How, how could you do this? Why are you you just let it go? Just let it go. That's well, it's, it's stuff that we're used to. So that's we're you know, we can develop some like emotional distance from that comment because we've heard it so many times at emergency that that, that one doesn't really get you anymore. That's where that, Um, that's another one of those special traits of people that work in the ER that they can do that. Because you know, that's, it's, you have to compartmentalize. Like we just had a neonate puppy come in and to, it was aspiration pneumonia and it's a, a $2,200 bill that I'm presenting. And I firmly believe that if you practice good medicine, money follows. And so I don't, I don't mind presenting an estimate for $2,000. If I think that we're, we're practicing doing the right medicine, thing, right. we're exactly. doing the right thing. Right. I have no problem going in there and telling an owner, look, this is how much it's going to cost because I, I believe in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I recognize that $2,200 is a lot of money. That's two mortgage payments in my life. And, and you know, not, not, yeah, they're not working or and they're not working. And you know, even if you are and you're, but you're, you know, you're a paycheck to paycheck kind of person, that's a lot of money. So I understand that, but we, I mean, we hear it all the time. So it's unfortunately like, sir, ma'am, that's not me. That's letting your pet suffer. I'm doing the very best I can right. to help you. And here we are. Yeah. But we, we've definitely, because of the wait times being exponentially longer, we've, we've heard a lot of that. I had some guy threaten that he was going to sit in the parking lot. And if I was going to make him wait, then he was going to wait till the end of my shift. And I had gotten to the point where I laughed at him and I was like, good luck, sir. Cause I don't even know when that is. <laughs> you might be here a couple of days, days, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Like you could be here for days at this point. Um, <laughs> You know, so some of that stuff is comical. We actually, one of our receptionists, they, they hit her with their car. What? Um, yep. Yep. No. So there's, 
there's like legal stuff going on Holy with that. Holy crap. Uh, oh my God. So, like yeah, purposefully you, ran into somebody with their car yep, because yep, they were upset they were about upset. they had to wait. How long they had been there waiting. Yep. Wow. And so I that's mean, crazy. that's, that's the kind of stuff where we're just like, are you kidding me right now? And the thing right. is, I mean, we, again, you have to have some kind of emotional compartmentalization and it's like, listen, there's 22 charts in our rack right now that we have to see. We have to triage, which means that if something comes in that's more important than 21 of those things, it jumps to the front of the line. Right. And I can only move as fast as I can move. And I only have two hands. And we only have so many people here that are going to be able to do everything. Right. And every task that we do requires two technicians. Yep. You're going to put a catheter in if you're going to draw blood, if you're going to take x-rays, if you're, you know, right. all of that requires a minimum yeah. of two people, depending on the animal three, four. Um, so we'll get to you as fast as we can. So the biggest struggle with client interactions that I have had personally is euthanasias. And I am somebody, and we do a lot of euthanasias in emergency, unfortunately, because a lot of times by the time they get to us, they're really sick or, or really injured. And there's just, there's nothing we can do except not let them suffer. Right. So my, my thing has always been euthanasia is the hardest day of that client's life. They're losing their best friend of however many years, and this is a terrible thing. So right. I have always prided myself and gone out of my way to make it the smoothest, easiest process that I possibly can. Whatever they need, however much time they need, if they need two paw prints, like whatever it is that I can do, right. whatever I can say to make this easy on you as, as it can be. So, you know, you have the normal platitudes of like, you're making the right decision 100%. You're not letting your baby suffer. You're being a good best friend, those things. But it's hard because euthanasia is for us. That's the only time a client is allowed in the building. And we only allow two people to come in to do it. Right. Um, so limiting the amount of time that they're allowed to say goodbye, limiting the amount of family members that are allowed to come in. Um, I know like if, if one of my pets had to go now for me, like in my family, that would be really hard because I have four kids that are all attached to a pet right. on top of myself. Yeah. So how do I get to pick and choose which of my kids would come in and say their last goodbyes and who's right. going to be there, who, be who matters there. the most and, yeah. and how do you, how do you do that? And then how do you still try to, meet the needs of the people that are stuck in the car crying because they can't be in here to say goodbye. And how do you help them find closure and find peace with what they're doing and, and all of that stuff. And that to me creates that cognitive dissonance because I feel like I'm not doing euthanasia to the standard that I want them to be for those people, right. but I'm doing what we have to stay safe. Mm-hmm. And so that part to me has, has caused a lot of struggle and a lot of near rule breaking because I'm like, well, what if we just don't count the third person? What if mm-hmm. we, what if we have three in, what if it's right. what if it's grandma or five more minutes? Yeah. And, and what if we, you know, is there any way we can find some other way to, Oh gosh. And just because to me like that, that's the hardest part emotionally where I know this is hard. It's hard for us too. And if anybody understands the pet owner bond, it's us. Because right. we have, yeah, we have so many. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know. How many animals have you euthanized of your own? A lot, right? Right. And you, and can you imagine not being able to be there for it? Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's all. no way. I would mm-hmm. absolutely not be able to do that in any right. way. So I just, that's the part where I've really struggled with helping clients deal with the COVID world and our rules and what we have to do. Yeah. 
I struggle yeah. too with the people that have to use the restroom. Because <laughs> at the very that. beginning, you know, the receptionist wanted to let them in and I'm like, you know, we can't. Because if, nope. if we're not letting them in the building, we're not letting them in the building. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, right at the very beginning of COVID, I walked out into the waiting room and she was letting people in and I was like, absolutely not. They have mm -hmm. to go home or go to Kroger down the street or yep. McDonald's, whatever's open. Yep. And just not in here. And that's been really hard. Like yes. that. And people get upset and people, yeah, you mean, I can't even use the bathroom. It's like, nope, sorry. And that's been really tough. Yeah. You well, know, you, again, you, you let you one in like, and they're all coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you feel like guilty because it's like a basic human need. And I of know course. that you've been waiting yeah. for right. six hours. Right. Like where are you, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Right. If you can't use the restroom, we we literally had somebody pee their pants in our parking lot, and I, like on purpose, on purpose because oh, she was mad. Okay, <laughs> she wanted to show well, us. We, we had someone pee on on one of our staff members' cars. Oh um, my god! Because he was mad that we wouldn't let him use wouldn't the bathroom. Yeah. So he decided that was the alternative. Ah, uh, that's sad. And uh, yeah, and we've had multiple people. Um, we had one person defecate in the bushes again, what? angrily. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because wow. we wouldn't let him in, and he was going to teach us a lesson. So, nice. yeah. Little, yeah. Does he, little does he know it doesn't bother us a bit. Exactly. <laughs> We're used to dealing with gross stuff. We don't care. Right. Well, the thing is, though, I'm in vet med because people Human. are gross. Right. Right. Human right. <laughs> bodily fluids are a different story. <laughs> I'm totally cool with picking up dog poop. I am not so much on the human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to pick up some guy's poop? <laughs> That's right. gross. Oh yeah, it's been it's been an experience for sure. Yep, been an experience for sure. So what can we let, let's kind of try to sum this all up because I'm really glad you guys told me your stories. I think it's really interesting the whole children angle. You know, we're all at different stages. I have mm -hmm. the adult kids. You know, Amanda has the passel of kids, and and you're just starting out with a, a young baby. Um, but what would your advice be? Like, do you have specific advice that you'd give to another veterinary professional, either a veterinarian or a technician working in the industry right now is what we can do ongoing to deal with some of the client issues that are, are happening and also deal with our own mental health and trying to stay focused on what's important. Do you want I to think a big thing that's become so obvious to me is who I surround myself with, how they influence me. And uh, like when I'm at my lows and really struggling, who I reach out to to help, you know, whether it's kind of a reality check or whether it's like, Charlotte, have you seen the sunshine in, you know, three days? Or have you slept? You know, have you eaten? Have you drink water? Like those basic needs that we're just forgetting because we're constantly worrying about all these other things. Right. So having, having that support group, you know, outside of work. And then even more so at work, I, I have been so thankful that I have my own practice and I am, and I have that control over who I'm surrounded by at work. Um, and I mean, the flip side of that is that it all falls on me as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's that balancing act. Um, but as far as what what veterinary professionals struggle with so much, what Amanda's talked about too, as an LVT, and I, CSRs get this too, is 
it goes so much of, of saying no and what we have to do to take care of ourselves and our patients make us innately feel bad. So how do we counter that? What do we have to we, like retraining our brain and retraining just how we work to be able to, to stay healthy through this, you know, mentally healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy. And, um, and learning those boundaries, like what Amanda has talked about too, being pregnant through it really forced me to put up a boundary, I think sooner than what I would have otherwise. Because you were protecting your baby, not yourself yes. so much. Yeah. And it was I was sacrificing. Yes. But you yeah. had to think about your baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, it just took it to a whole nother level. Right. So that's really challenging for so many of us to do. And then, um, and figuring out the ways, I mean, to not let those angry clients or, you know, the ones who are acting out like that, you know, having some way to, you know, whether it's a, I went through a phase where I just was struggling to see anything good. And so at night I was like, what are three good things that happened today? You know, and one was like, you know, like just the easiest things sometimes in it, but it retrains your thought pattern. Um, to look for, look for the positive right now is, is been, I think is a good thing for us all to, to do. Yeah. Um, And I think being cautious, I've noticed in my hospital, since we are doing curbside, you know, we're having the pets in, but not the people is there's a lot of, um, you know, did you hear this lady and and I, and I noticed that like level has increased because we don't have to worry about, us, them hearing us. So mm-hmm. we complain about them. And so there have been times when I feel that negative energy of us all venting and I'll just say, all right, guys, you know, let's talk about happy things. And mm-hmm. wasn't that lady really nice? And that lady I just talked to on the phone is super. And isn't that, you know, and, and then we try to change the the narrative to yeah. a more positive one, because sometimes we do get kind of sucked into that um, negativity because that's where yeah, we naturally want to go. We tried to just put out the positive, you know, from, from the beginning of this album, people were so scared and I felt everybody was talking about restrictions, what we're not doing, what we're not doing. So I, I, I was like, we're going to get out there. We're going to tell them what we are doing, yes. you know, right. and that's what we're going to focus on. Cause they're going to hear what, what we're not doing. So let's just let everybody yeah. know what we yeah. are doing. Right. And then we did a lot of, especially with the curbside with the, you know, the pets that come in and they are loving that they're, you know, like that they own the place all of a sudden or how much more love we're getting. Cause their owner's not there. Yeah. Yeah. So we're putting that out there. We're talking about that. We're laughing about that. Um, taking pictures. We've been taking a lot yeah. more pictures mm-hmm. and sending them to the client. You know, yep. That kind of yep. makes them happy, but it also makes us happy mm-hmm. you know, playing with the puppies, letting them run around. <laughs> right. What about you, Amanda? Do you have advice for people? I think the the surrounding yourself with a good team is so critical. And I have... I have said this for years, but it's so much more true right now is it doesn't just take a village to raise my kids. It takes a village to raise me. And <laughs> that's true. Um, but, but you know what I mean? Like you are going to be kind of who you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with happy, upbeat, positive people who are take charge and who are, you know, doing what they can, that's what you're going to be. And if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of negative energy, people that are just complaining and, and whining about how bad things are, you're right. You get sucked into that. And one of the really cool things about the team at my hospital 
I've been so impressed and so proud to be a part of this group because everybody's stressed, everybody's tired, everybody's just kind of down and out, but everybody has kind of like banded together that like we're ride or die and we're going to take care of each other. So there have been a couple people who it's their day off, but they heard that the, the whole crew is drowning. They ordered pizza and had it delivered for the staff that they knew was in the building that day. Mm-hmm. There's been groups that have bought fun socks and just put it in everybody's locker. Everybody got a new pair of fun socks because they knew it would make somebody smile. Um, somebody brought in cookies and put them in everybody's locker. Just like, Hey, you're going to need a little sugar boost. Here you go. Um, there's been people that have tried to organize like COVID safe, friendly things. Like, um, we took a trip to the zoo, you know, so that we could be socially distanced and wear our mask, but have some outside time where we could just all laugh and decompress together. Um, doing things and bringing snacks in. Somebody made dinner one day in a crock pot and brought that in and, and just looking out for each other, taking care of each other and making sure that we are, are keeping positive and, and banding together to lift up the people as the, as somebody burns out, we as a group will bring them back up to where they need to be to keep on functioning. And then the next person's turn when they burn out, everybody's going to work together and kind of, you know, be as strong as our weakest link and make sure that weak link stays strong too. Right. And to me, surrounding yourself with people like that makes all the difference in the world. And, um, I do that in, in my personal life as well. You know, who is going to be your support system when you're struggling with all of this stuff? And I know it can be hard cause you can't see everybody and, and hang out and do all the things like you're not going to go to the bar right now and have a beer after work. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you still have the option of making a phone call or FaceTiming somebody or, or hopping on a zoom or whatever to, to take some time and, be with the people you love and that care about you and care about your mental health and your well-being and, and are willing to be there to listen to the event, but also to cut it short when it needs to be done and, and tell you, okay, now, now what are we going to do? Like, with the pity party, to, let's move on yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So and you, you need somebody to tell you both. Right. You, you need a healthy balance yeah. of both. You have to be able to vent in, in this field in order to, to blow off that steam of mm-hmm. that angry client or that case that was really sad. You have to be able to talk about it, but you can't wallow in it forever. So you ha- like, I'm, I'm somebody, I set a time limit. Like you get five minutes to really complain about the situation. Mm-hmm. After that five minutes, it's over. Now we've got to figure out what we're going to do to move forward and, and kind of go from there. And that, that personal boundary, again, I'm not very good at them, but um, <laughs> that personal boundary for myself is like, okay, you get to wallow for a couple minutes, whatever the situation is, it sucks. It's hard. It's terrible. Right. Now we need to move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just remembering that everybody who's a human has issues, you know, like you don't, I, I might see the two of you and say, oh, they got it all figured out. They're doing great. (laughs) They never go home and cry, you know, And, and people say that to me, oh, you know, like I work a, 12 hour day and see double appointments. Oh, you're so good at this, but they don't see me trying to get out of bed the next day and kind of hardly like waddling because my legs are sore or my feet are sore. And I think just realizing that we all are on some level struggling just because we're human. And then we've chosen this profession on purpose that we really, really love, but it's, it's difficult. It's not, you know, it's not like slinging burgers, you know, that, but cause we actually have lives at stake and right. you know, a lot of emotion that we're dealing with, with the clients and just realizing that we all have it. 
And because there's enough of us that understand and reaching out to others that understand, I think is so important. And that's one of the reasons why I want to do these podcasts is by, you know, the month of December, I'm kind of dedicating to, you know, how are we doing and how are we going to, you know, move forward through this next year, still dealing with curbside and COVID and all the things uh, uh, with the clients getting sick of it too. Um, But just realizing that we're all out there and we can all help each other in some way, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter how long you've been doing this, whether you've been doing it for a year or, you know, 30 years, it really, it, it, we're all kind of in the same boat and we all, all struggle on certain days and and that's okay. Like it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to cry and be upset that you, you know, didn't handle yourself in the best way or, you know, like I've had clients and I, and I hang up the phone and I'm like, "Mm, I wasn't very nice right there just then. That was not my best self, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody's cranking at me and I get cranky back. So I think just realizing that that's all okay and not, you know, holding on to it and beating yourself up and realizing that having those emotions is just human. Right. You know, and that's what we need to do. And then reaching out, like you said, Amanda, to somebody. And if you don't have a supportive group of people that you work with, find somebody that can be supportive, mm-hmm. you know, like email us or, you know, send us a, a message and just say, look, I'm struggling with my workplace. I need to talk to somebody. And that's what I do. You know, I coach people. So there's people out there like me that will help. And like the two of you, I'm sure if somebody DM'd you and said, can you just talk to, talk to me? Cause I need a, a listening ear. You would all do so. Yeah. I want people to know that, that people like us are out there and, and we're all, none of us are doing this perfectly. Right. You know? We're all doing the best we can with what we've got. Yeah. My, my heart, when I hear of, especially people in the veterinary profession, but especially moms that are, you know, struggling or, or feel stuck or are at a job that they're just not flourishing at. I, I want to be like, call me, talk, you know, like we can, like, let me help you through this. We can get you through this. And there's, there's another side and yeah. it still is hard and it still has its sure. challenges, but it can be better. But what so. a great, uh, what a great job we have, you mm-hmm. know, like, isn't it amazing? I, it's I, the best. I it's the best job I can think of. I, I can't imagine doing anything else. I mm-hmm. love you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think that that's part of what gets me up in the morning to go to work? Well, I guess in my case, what gets me up at night to go at to work? <laughs> but, but it, and I think that that's the other thing that's made it a struggle for everybody is that you, you do love what you do. You wouldn't, you, nobody goes into this for the money. We all know mm-hmm. that. We all say that. Right. Um, so it's not like you're getting all these perks. You're, you're in it because you love animals and you love what you do and you love fostering that human pet bond and you love doing client education and all that stuff. And so we just have to learn to adapt all of those loves to a new situation. Right. And, and focus remember, on that. Remember, yes, and remember that they're still there. They yeah. just look a little bit different. Because you might have one client that's screaming at you, but if you just saw 30 that were super appreciative, exactly. those are the ones you need to focus on and yep. let those screaming memes go, you know, right. exactly. they're exactly. the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And remember that you still helped their pet, even if they screamed at you, you still yeah. did your job and you did the best right. that you could to take care of an animal that needed you. Right. So, I mean, even in that situation, yeah, the owner might be the cranky wheel, but I helped their dog today. And so hopefully they'll go home and think about that too. Yeah. yeah. And they probably will at some point, mm-hmm. you know, you got to think about some of these people are embarrassed after mm-hmm. they yell at us. 
us. They go home. Yep. And some of them actually call back and apologize. Yeah, we've had that. But, um, but even if they don't, they might be embarrassed that they acted the way they acted. And, yeah. and because they're human, you know, mm-hmm. and they're reacting to their emotions. So. So is there anything else you guys want to say? I really enjoyed having you. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry about the, the lawn guys, but okay. <laughs> I'll do the best I can to make it listenable. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to put out there or say? I just, I want to thank you for addressing this. I think this is so important um, for all of us right now to know that we're not alone. Um, know that we're all going through this. We're all feeling burned out and some compassion fatigue tired. Yeah. and tired, just and overwhelmed from all of the changes and, and the amount of cases we're all seeing, but we're not alone. And there is still positivity and sunshine to be had. We just have to kind of look for those silver linings and find them. Right. And that, that makes a big difference. And so I'm really glad that you're focusing on that and focusing on ways to find mental health and stability even in the midst of all the crazy that we're dealing with. So I just, I want to thank you for highlighting that for everybody to, to really think about. I appreciate you saying that. And I really appreciate you both coming on the podcast today and joining me because, you know, I, I like to hear everyone's perspective because, you know, we're all, even though we're dealing with the same profession, we all have our own struggles and different ways of looking at things. So I appreciate you sharing that with the people out there in the world. Yeah, so. this was a really, really good conversation. And I think people will, it's, there's, it's relatable on every level, you know, for what we're all going through. Yeah. And I'll echo what Amanda said about, we're not, we're not alone. And I um, hope nobody feels that way, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I want people to understand that like every day, mm-hmm. every day we're out, we're out there, you know, mm-hmm. and willing to help. And even if we're having a bad day, then there's someone else that will help. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck with that baby. Oh, thank you. Oh, do you have a picture? She's a good baby. Um, somewhere. How about you, Amanda? <laughs> I nope, I do not. Actually, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm doing a new picture. Well, you have a one-year-old. <laughs> That's a baby. That's still a baby. A one-year-old. Give me. He's very handsome. How do we but see it this way? Uh, I don't know. How no, we can't. No. You can't really yeah. see it. Oh well, you'll show. We're me. in the digital world. There's no. There's no pictures. I know. Yeah. I know. Right. The ones behind me, like, are like 15 years old. So. <laughs> well, anyway, good luck with the babies. You both thank have you. babies, and yeah, if, you. if you need any mom advice, I've got plenty. I've been through it yeah. all. Well, the teenager years are the worst. The baby years are fun. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I've been doing both at the same time. Boy, oh, oh, God boy. bless you. Yeah, yeah. God bless you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so right. much for being thank here. Thank you, Julie. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank Thanks you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That was so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I really had a good time. I love interviewing and talking to other people in the profession If you enjoyed it and you like what you hear on the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. The reviews help me get the podcast out to other people. And if you have any friends in the profession or even out of the profession that would benefit from the things that I talk about on the podcast, 
share it with them. I would really appreciate that. If you need coaching or you just want to chat, you can go to my website, juliecapel.com or veterinarylifecoach.com and sign up for a free coaching. Or if you'd rather just send me an email, um, you can send me an email there. And you can also sign up for my Wednesday weekly words, which is just like a little um, blog type thing that I send every week um, to your email. So if you just want some words of inspiration, sign up for that. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you will listen to me next week on the podcast and I hope you have a beautiful week. Bye.